sorry, Thanks my for computer started updating. <laughs> You're good. Thanks for joining us. I know you got a lot going on. Um, yeah, so I am uh, pretending to be Stan for this meeting. Don't look exactly like him. Um, so yeah, Sustainability Advisory Board meeting, uh, call to order, and we'll start with some housekeeping items from Kathy Richards. Good evening, everyone. Just sharing a few housekeeping items for tonight's Zoom meeting. This meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel and cable channel 25. Please remember to mute yourself during the meeting when you are not speaking. The chat function for this public meeting is disabled. All chats will go directly to me. All board members, please keep your video on. All others, uh, keep your video off unless you are participating during the meeting. And if you have any trouble, you can send me a chat. The city reserves the right to mute people or turn individual videos off to minimize distractions during the meeting. And a reminder that there is another uh, board meeting tonight, uh, so we ask that the meeting wrap up by 7.15 p.m. And now I'll turn the meeting back to Ben. Thanks, Kathy. Mm -hmm. um, so for uh, the first element here, uh, we want to welcome and allow uh, Don Hawkins, our newest SAB board member, to introduce herself and maybe just say a, a couple of words about yourself and yeah, your participation in SAB, which has been ongoing even though now you're officially a member. So welcome. Hi guys, thank you and thank you to the to Mayor Larson for nominating me um, and approving my, my position. I've um, been coming to these meetings since long before the pandemic, uh, so I guess it's, it's nice to be a official member. Um, I've worked at KU for a number of years. I'm uh, soon to be retiring from that position and taking a new position with a nonprofit organization called FractTracker.org. I don't represent FractTracker in these meetings, but uh, just a little bit of insight into um, the things that interest me and what I have going on in my, in my career. Hope I can be of service to the board. Awesome. Welcome. We're glad to have you. Um, so the first uh, order of business for our meeting today is to approve the minutes from our May 10th meeting. Um, so hopefully everyone has, has had a chance to look those over. Did anyone have any, uh, do we need to have any discussion about that? Does anybody have any edits or comments on those meeting minutes? I looked over them and they look fine to me. I recommend that we approve the minutes as written. I'll this second. is Kate Johnson, <laughs> sorry. Awesome. Nancy Moomin, I'll second. Okay, Kay moves, Nancy seconds. Uh, so if I remember how this goes, can I just have everyone that's in support uh, with a vote of aye? Aye. Aye. And everyone, how does he say it? Everyone in the opposite, the same thing? Okay, unanimously approved. I can't remember exactly how Stan says it. It sounds very eloquent in the moment, but yeah. Thanks very much. Um, so the, the main staff items we have are a report about uh, facilities tour opportunities and some other sustainability items as well as the, um, the letter of support that was part of your package tonight of us continuing to advocate for um, a sustainability analyst to help support Kathy and her department. 
Sure. Um, this is Kathy Richardson, Sustainability Director. So I did uh, jot down some notes for our report out um, tonight. I don't have the, the slides, uh, but um, I will go through a few items. So uh, first of all, just kind of a recap uh, that there was a copy of that letter of support uh, for the sustainability analyst position that was submitted with the agenda packet on May 16th to the City Commission. So that was the meeting that uh, Mayor Larson had mentioned to you all uh, would start the conversation about the budget. Now, budget conversations are just getting started, so there are going to be multiple city commission meetings where uh, budget will be discussed. Um, and uh, you know, if any of you are interested, I, I would um, you know recommend just kind of looking at that budget schedule. And uh, if the Sustainability Advisory Board, you know, wants to put forth, um, you know, the letter of support again or any other items in consideration of budget discussions, um, that's important for you all to, to discuss. Uh, then uh, in regards to the tours, so we're narrowing down some dates for August and September. And uh, the dates that work best for the facilities and operations and the staff are on Monday and Friday mornings. Um, I'm hopeful that um, some of those dates uh, will be good for you all as well. Uh, but I'll send those dates out. Um, there, it's going to be broken down into two different tours. So one tour would be uh, water and wastewater facilities, and the other tour would be HHW and the uh, compost uh, facility. So like I said, Mondays and Fridays, uh, we know that you know it's it's hard to get you know, on the schedule with all of you, but we're hopeful that we can find a date that the majority of you can attend so that um, the staff isn't breaking these down into three tours of the same facilities. We're hoping that we can get um, the majority of you through in in one um, tour, you know, the water, wastewater, and then uh, HHW and compost. So I'll be sending those dates um, uh, that uh, looked good to the, the staff groups. In addition to that, just since our last meeting, um, we had the sustainable capital projects policy that uh, went uh, in front of the city commission also on that May 16th uh, city commission date. And that policy was approved by our commission. So it is effective January 1st of 2024. And we're already working on kind of the specifics of implementation of, of that policy. Uh, also, since the last meeting, we were in front of the City Commission um, for the single-use plastic bag ordinance discussion. So Nancy uh, represented the Sustainability Advisory Board, and as staff, I uh, just kind of gave a, a overview, overview and background, and um, we did have the City Attorney's Office available to answer questions as well as as well as our planning staff. So it, this is an agenda item uh, later in this meeting, so I'll kind of hold um, some of those comments of what's happening kind of moving forward um, for that agenda item. And I'm sure Nancy's got uh, some, um, you know, some items to discuss also with, within that. So uh, Lead for Cities, really no other update than what I had uh, reported last month that we were selected for it and we're going through that process for the sustainability framework. 
the electronic recycling event uh, occurred on May 13th, and uh, we had over 800 vehicles and about 66,400 and 80 pounds was, uh, were collected of the electronics. So that Free State High School uh, facility, uh, the parking lot worked out. Um, it was very congested in the first two hours of the event and then it thinned out a little bit. But uh, definitely a high uh, participation for that. And then we're, as staff, discussing kind of how we move forward uh, with uh, events in the future. I had mentioned the Douglas County Open Space Plan at the last meeting, so um, some of those community engagement opportunities uh, have already occurred, and there was a lot of great participation at, at all of them, at least that I had attended and also heard from our county staff. So that process is underway for the plan. Also, the Douglas Kathy. County... Yep. Go Sorry. Ahead. This is Kate Johnson, uh, SAB board member. I just wanted to say before we got too far uh, away from it that um, one of my colleagues, my work colleagues, participated in the re electronic recycling event and she said it was fantastic. She also gave me some recycling materials and she thought they were really good. I don't know if you want to send those out to the um, SAB for our. Uh, use but she thought they were really good and she put them on my desk afterward but uh, i really appreciate you all doing that sure yeah thanks for that kathy what's been the general i know it's changed a little bit especially with covid but the goal in terms of the frequency of those events if possible is annually or semi-annually Sure. So at the very beginning, the start of hosting the electronic recycling events, we were hosting them twice a year, so in the spring and the fall. And that's when the City of Lawrence Solid Waste Division was um, hosting them. Uh, a few years back, uh, that event got um, transferred over to our joint Douglas County City of Lawrence Sustainability Office staff. Um, and actually, I believe the first year probably would have been 2020, which was the COVID year, um, which disrupted, as you know, uh, many events. But, um, you know, they were uh, hosting one event a year, uh, getting a lot of feedback from the public that it needed to increase in frequency for sure. So we've definitely been hearing that. And then um, this spring, as I had reported, was the first year kind of in our split of joint offices where the city um, took back the event. Mm. And so this was our MSO environment staff um, uh, that organized it and, you know, figured all the logistics with the vendor. And so, you know, it was kind of uh, getting back into this type of event. And I think that there are a lot of additional conversations that need to happen as to the future of this event and, and how it's hosted and frequency and so forth okay. so in the past uh, we did have a really great location central location with the KU parking lot but that is no longer available as um, there is construction going on there so uh, that was the reason for uh, Free State High School and actually we looked at the fairgrounds but um, there was some um, highlighted concerns from the vendor with that location so okay. it 
it definitely seems like, especially because of the high attendance at the beginning of the event, that something um, maybe larger or more doable with traffic control or more frequent events uh, could potentially fix that. Cool. Thank you. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, I think I was just going to say a few words about the Douglas County Climate Action Plan. So um, we have received a draft, and we meaning the staff advisors group. So within the Climate Action Plan, there is a staff advisors group that was formed, and then a steering committee that was formed. The staff advisors has representatives from the county, the city of Lawrence, Eudora, LeCompton, Baldwin, et cetera. And then the, the steering committee is the committee that, like Nancy, is the rep for the Sustainability Advisory Board and has other community members as well. So um, the first kind of step of the draft being reviewed is uh, through the eyes of um, staff advisors that are maybe just helping refine it a little bit more. And uh, very soon, we had a meeting today um, to kind of go over uh, and get feedback from staff from, from different areas of, of operations and um, within cities and counties and uh, very soon it will then re be released to the steering committee and we want it to release the steering committee before it goes public because the steering committee is also helping us shape and you know clean it up and make sure that it looks good um, as it you know moves forward to being released to the public and then we're gonna have a time frame where the public can submit feedback or questions concerns etc uh, for that and then the steering committee the staff group all of us will you know kind of consider all the feedback and questions that were raised and um, you know uh, kind of work on a new draft of that and hopefully by the end of the year then we have that final draft for for the county uh, commission to consider adopting and then from there uh, potentially the the cities that will um, be next in line to adopt um, that plan if they so choose to so just wanted to say a few words about that since there's a lot of activity going on it's not yet released to the public but it will be as soon as as soon as we can get the steering committee together um, to review that as well all right I believe those are all my updates for right now like I said I do have a little bit more on the single-use plastic bag um, ordinance bit but I'll wait till that agenda item excellent Thanks a lot, Kathy. Uh, this is Ben Sykes, Vice Chair SAB, I guess. Um, so uh, up first on our core agenda items tonight are to get updates from the myriad subcommittees and boards and committees on which we serve uh, and ha or our representatives of SAB. And um, in connecting what Kathy was just talking about, if we could start with Nancy, if you could provide us an update on the Climate Action Plan Subcommittee um, and maybe also the Douglas County Climate Action Plan Steering Committee. Okay, so, um, but the last time we met, we discussed and prepared for the um, uh, reports that were gonna go to the co city commission on the plastic bags that we discussed um, and prepared some uh, slides that they ended up not using, but anyway. Um, we repaired that, and then Kay brought up an issue um, that, she, that she sent out to um, Kathy this afternoon, and Kathy forwarded that uh, regarding the uh, homelessness issue, and I don't know if we want to talk about it now or 
later, but that was something that we talked about at the uh, last meeting of the Climate Action Plan subcommittee. Mm. Um, do you want to talk about it now, or should we wait till later? What do you want to do? That's the item that's on the agenda. That's the item that's on the agenda. Yeah, so... I'd like to wait till the agenda like, item. Yeah. So it is a... Okay, so it was there. All right. The um, only other thing is that we were told as the Climate Action Plan Committee that uh, we would be getting the draft of the plan on f this Friday. And then in two weeks on, let's see, it's the uh, 29th, the steering committee is going to meet um, in the morning. So um, we would, I will share the draft with everybody if in the subcommittee and we'll discuss it and have feedback. Um, Kathy, is it okay to share it with all the committee members here, the SAB members? I, I believe it would be okay to share, but there really cannot be any back and forth discussion at all. So that's kind of what I'm a little bit um, nervous about if you send it to the whole board where you have a quorum. If you send it to the subcommittee, you are good to, again, have your subcommittee meetings and discuss and in detail. Um, so that would be no problem with your subcommittee. Okay, all right. Um, and the only other thing then is we discussed the possibility of having another member um, on the subcommittee. Um, we've lost a couple of members, so uh, that's the other thing we discussed at our last meeting. Um, Did you it? add a, another board member? I believe you were gonna ask Amanda. We didn't ask anybody, but we, we discussed having another member. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Yeah, so uh, that's probably definitely, probably definitely. It's, it's definitely something that uh, board members that feel strongly about the particular um, subcommittees that we have are welcome and encouraged to join those things. But um, also there are aspects of those subcommittees that grow based on the interests of the members that are on them. So if you have, if you feel like the issues that are important to you can fall under particular subcommittees, um, joining them and making them your own is strongly encouraged, I would say. Yeah, so, so if, if we have any volunteers of anybody who would like to join the subcommittee, right now it's Kay and Mosin from this group, and then we also have Terry Wilkie, who's an outside member. So, Nancy, Dawn, does anybody want to join? Ben? Nancy, are, are you on that committee already? She is. So if we That's have- what I'm talking about is the, the subcommittee that I chair, that I chair. Yeah, I'm just, how many SAB members can we have on a subcommittee before we surpass? We have four, right? You can have five, six is quorum. Six is quorum. Yes. So we can have five on a subcommittee. Okay, cool. Um, I'm gonna personally, I, this is just Ben speaking for Ben, I'm gonna try and push through the weedy stuff first, but I would be happy to contribute to it uh, as a ad hoc member or some other words like that. Yeah. Well, um, I think people that are interested, if we can't uh, uh, twist arms right now, can ask questions about it later. Amanda's. Oh, Amanda, did you have something? Uh, 
was I was just gonna say I will consider it. I have uh, potentially thrown my hat in a couple other rings that I'm waiting to hear back on, and I don't want to sign up for more than I can give attention to. So um, I will follow up. Okay. On this with you. Thank you. Thanks, Amanda. I'm interested. This is Dawn Hawkins. I'm interested in joining that subcommittee. Great. Okay. I will keep you in the loop for the next meeting, which should be in the next couple of weeks. Awesome. Thank you, Don. Okay. Thanks, Nancy. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is uh, Ben Sykes, SAV Vice Chair. Um, I'm going to give a quick update on the um, weeds and noxious, uh, noxious weeds and sustainable landscaping ordinance recommendations we made. So the we this subcommittee met on May 25th and had quite a productive discussion, I think, about um, splitting out the elements that we've received feedback from city commission on that need to go into the development plan and revising the ordinance based on that to kind of look at if we can't push it through, if we can't have it accepted in the form that we perceive all of those items to be linked if we can take individual portions of that and get them across the finish line. And I think we can make perhaps more progress that way than continuing to um, try and hold them all together as we see them. Um, so one of the elements of that is thinking about whether or not the, the lowest hanging fruit seems to be the ability to change the city's um, list of noxious weeds, which was part of the original uh, impetus that the public brought to us about why these changes needed to happen, um, from an extensive, quite extensive list actually that the city has well beyond what the state and the county has listed as noxious weeds. So I don't know, Kathy, if you wanted to say anything about that at this point. Yeah. The only thing I would add is, um, so I, I did attend the subcommittee meeting, and so with this particular item, I am working with a staff group to look through that list and what we can do to update that list and uh, get an uh, amendment to that uh, city code. Great. Uh, beyond that, um, also as recommendations from um, Commissioner Sellers and other uh, city commissioner members, I've been trying to meet uh, personally with other people, uh, community groups that might have interest in this item. So um, yesterday I met with Linda Watts from the NAACP um, to talk about the item and how that, how their, uh, how the NAACP community might um, perceive some of the elements that we've recommended in there and what uh, changes we can make. And one great suggestion she has was she had was to engage the Indigenous Community Center, um, which also coincidentally had uh, given a presentation recently at the Douglas County Food Policy Council, which I'm the SAB rep for. So I'm going to reach out to them and see if we can also have some connectivity there and get, um, yeah, just more input from more members of the community, particularly those that are poorly represented usually in these kinds of things. So that's pretty much all I got on the, that subcommittee. Um, for the Douglas County Food Policy Council, we had a, um, a meeting this last month I wasn't able to attend that was focused on a Healthy Kids Initiative, KC Healthy Kids Initiative. Um, the connectivity with SAB, I think, right now is strong around um, discussions of agrivoltaics and uh, other elements related to renewable energies in the county and how those um, in certain instances might be competing or with agricultural um, conservation and things like that that um, particularly um, 
prime soils in the region. And so I think that's a, there's an opportunity there to work together. Um, I think there's interest from the Douglas County Food Policy Council side because many of them are very supportive of renewable energies, and I think it's an important aspect to not see that as um, conflicting, but there's uh, ways forward that that can work together. So I don't know if any, any, I know several of you have like way deeper interests than I do in uh, the development of renewable energies in our local area, and I think that there's um, strong interest in how we can navigate that, uh, collaborating with them or creating subcommittees, or maybe it fall, falls under elements of the um, Climate Action Plan subcommittee. That's all I kind of have from the Douglas County Food Policy Council. Uh, so beyond that, Kay, did you have an update from the Land Development Code? You're muted. Sorry. Sorry about that. Uh, Kate Johnson, Sustainability Advisory Board member, and I am a committee member for the Land Development Committee Steering Committee. And we received a um, project module, and that module will be reviewed and discussed on uh, Thursday, June 29th from 4 to 6. And there's an, another date, which is July 20th, so I'm not sure if we're gonna get two different modules. The first one uh, was module one, and it's on the zoning, the zone districts and the uses, and we did get that material last week. I have not had a chance to review it. It's like 35 pages, and it goes extensively through the different zones and the uses that each zone can have. They were trying to simplify that uh, the current uh, land regulations are really complicated. And so this whole effort is to try to simplify it and be able to get projects through. And there's been a visioning process. So people uh, were asked to provide their comments on what they wanted the community to look like. And so that is also part of the first module. And if anybody would like to see that, I'm not sure where they're, if there's probably a link where they've posted these and there's an actual website for the land uh, development code update. So I can send whatever I got to Kathy, and she could put those in the uh, meeting minutes. And then if you want to provide input to me, then I can provide that to the community or for our meeting, our next meeting, or you can come to the meeting and the, the meetings are open to the public and you can provide their, their input. Several of the community members that attend our SAB, uh, meetings regularly um, have been participating. So it's okay if you if you want to add one more meeting to your schedule. Um, but we have really, I, I would really like Ben, if you would send me the parts that you feel like need to go for on the weed ordinance that need to go into the land update committee. We're not at that point, okay. but I don't know. I wanna be able to know where, it needs to go 
Um, so if you'd send me whatever you're thinking about, that would be helpful to me. That's no problem. Uh, I guess I was going to ask where the, if you can understand yet where the intersection is with things like the open spaces plan for the county. I mean, the city is having questions about how they're going to make a development code or how they're going to update it, right? But where's the communication between the city and the county in terms of how those visions are different or how they get? I, I don't know. And I, you know, nothing has come up in any of our meetings about the open spaces uh, plan. And although I know that people were encouraged to look at the open spaces plan and comment on it, it seems to me that there should be definitely even a roadmap on how this would do. I and mean, they haven't done any of that. And, you know, I really wish all of these plans were not in silos. Um, you know, we've got the 40 plan, the strategic plan, we've got all sorts of different plans. And it's hard to keep up with all of these things. Yeah. It's hard for most people, uh, I think, to pay attention. We're trying. <laughs> but, right. Yeah. And, and, and we are knowledgeable about them. And so, yeah, I can't even imagine uh, members of the general public even knowing where to provide input. Yeah. That's all I have, that. really. Um, the last update that we had was uh, me pretending to be Stan on the uh, Boards and Commissions Structure Committee. And so uh, just to remind everybody, the committee is currently recommending the realignment of approximately 15 boards into six new boards. Um, they're currently recommending that the Sustainability Advisory Board would remain separate and not be consolidated with other boards. But the city is actively seeking feedback on the committee uh, committee's proposals. And there's two engagement opportunities for everyone out there that's interested, including all the SAB. The first is an in-person activity uh, tomorrow, uh, June 15th at the Carnegie Building. Carnegie? Carnegie? Carnegie, uh-huh. Yeah, uh, from 5.30 to 7.30. Uh, and then there's a second one, if you can't make it in person, via Zoom on Friday, the 16th of June, from noon to 2. So both of those are opportunities to engage about the reorganization of boards uh, for the city. Uh, if you can't do either of those, or even if you can, there's also a digital questionnaire right now that's available on the city's website and is available till the end of the month. Um, and so, yeah, just again, anybody uh, that has time uh, or energy uh, that wants to weigh in on how important these things are, please participate uh, either in the engagement opportunities and or the digital questionnaire to express how you feel about uh, the current recommendations, including that the SAB should be uh, maintained as a separate board. So, Ben. Yep. So this is Kay Johnson, SAB board member. If there how do we get the links to those to the zoom where is where do we find that i mean that's another issue when we find out about different things yep. looking and finding those zoom opportunities so um i think there was a website before that stan had pointed us to i don't know so i is I, it on I, the community engagement this this page? is this is Kathy Richardson, the uh, City Sustainability Director. I did uh, send an email to the SAB on June 2nd um, with a few of these community engagement opportunities that were coming up, like the open space. There is a link on here uh, for the 
for the realignment of the uh, boards and commissions. But yeah, if you go to the city's main page, uh, oh, actually, it looks like I gave you a link to that news release, which takes you to the page for the information, the city's website. So that was on June 2nd. But all our okay. community engagement is listed within our main City of Lawrence website. And you can click on uh, community engagement and see this one in particular. And I really would encourage you, this Kay Johnson SAP member, to go on there and at least provide some written comments if you don't participate because Stan has really worked hard to try to keep us as separate and the city commissioners need to see that we're supportive of that. Um, I've heard complaints from the other groups that are getting combined with others. Mm -hmm. So this is um, a real opportunity for us to be a standalone, continue to be a standalone um, voluntary city advisory board. Just to add, um, it looks like the digital questionnaire is available until June 30th. Yes. Yeah, just this has been Sykes, uh, SAB Vice Chair. I just wanted to reiterate to you how to get there for anybody that might know. If you just go to the city's webpage, in the bottom right, you'll see community engagement. And the first thing of the active community engagement on your left is board and commissions realignment. More information. Thanks for letting me share there. And down here at the bottom is the engagement opportunities with both the Zoom link and the digital questionnaire. This is uh, the document that's the proposal here. Sorry if you can't see that. That here where it says here, it's <laughs> blue. I absolutely agree with, with your point too, Kay. Great, so I think that's all of the updates from our um, subcommittees. You have some public. Yes, I was just gonna say, if uh, we have a few members of the public here, if anybody has points they wanna make uh, about those reports, um, we'd be happy to take them now. So I see Michael Allman has his hand up. We'll go here first and then we'll go to JT. Hello, can you hear me? We can. Yes. Oh, good. I'm not Mickey Mouse today. Um, the, uh, ben, the report you gave on the natural landscaping and not just weed subcommittee, um, there was one item that we discussed I don't think you brought up tonight, a very important item about um, having the city legal department look at a moratorium on enforcing the 12 inch rule for you know that that decrees that anything over 12 inches is a weed so i'm wondering you know where that discussion might be going right now with the uh the city legal department that's my question. Yeah, thank you very much, Michael. I appreciate you bringing that up. I had, I had forgotten about that element update here. So is that something, Kathy, that can be asked as well of, of city legal? I mean, so the discussion in our subcommittee is essentially that that rule for managed landscaping is currently not being enforced in many cases. And the question is whether or not the 12-inch making everything noxious weeds could be, a moratorium could be put on that while we're doing these revisions and you know, coming to some sort of recommendation. 
Sure, yeah, the question has not been asked. I can absolutely ask that. Um, that kind of action item I took away from there was just the weed uh, list uh, revision. But I can ask this question as well. Thank you. I thought we weren't moving forward yet with it. Okay. Uh, yeah, JT, please. Hi there, can you hear me? We can, thanks. Um, I've talked to you before about this uh, boards, uh, um, board of boards. There is there is an in-person meeting at the uh, Carnegie tomorrow. It's a two-hour meeting. If you go there and you, you should want a bike, um, where are you going to park a bike? Mm. Um, the uh, Bicycle Advisory Committee and the Traffic Safety Commission um, years ago now, it's been about five, six years, were both dissolved and a new body was created called the MMTC. Um, this was a major setback for bicycling. That is, that is the reason that I am so keen on this issue and why I've spoken to you about it before. <laughs> the most important outcome could be of this initial round of um, public comment would be to say, I don't understand this. If as sustainability um, members, you're going to be satisfied with a standalone um, committee, that's great, but there are implications. Um, other implications for these other bodies that I don't believe are good. I think the most important thing you could point out was this thing, this uh, realignment's being modeled after one that was done in Bozeman, Montana. Here's the paperwork on it. They had three public uh, engagement opportunities spread out over three months. Hmm. Okay, basically, this this initiative here is going to be uh, one big day tomorrow and then a an online survey, which is uh, those who've taken it aren't very, very happy with it. Um, so Stan, Stan made the observation when this um, at the last meeting, when this public engagement was being discussed, he said, he said, most of the people that come into the Carnegie building are, first of all, not going to know what the strategic plan is all about. And um, so first, they're going to have to be given the context of the strategic plan and this, um, this, this consolidation in relationship to it. And in connection with that, um, the um, city manager, Craig Owens, he admitted that even his staff do not all understand the strategic plan. So um, we'll see how that goes. I think I'm going to attend the whole thing and the whole two hours and see how many people show up. Yeah, thanks. Thanks very much for your comment. It sounds like also based on that previous model, besides I don't understand this is more opportunities for engagement. Is that a kind of a critical piece for um, to, to voice there, based on what you're saying, JD. Um, I agree. This is Kate Johnson, SAP board member. I'll also say that Stan had said as part of that, they were looking at 
probably making a goal of not allowing more than seven people on each of those committees. So that further um, eliminates voices. And I did hear from um, a person of color that was concerned about that because that generally typically moves those folks down further on the list of being uh, heard and, and considered. So I think I and I think it's really good that you brought up the the bicycle issue because I thought Lawrence was pretty considerate about bicycling and if that has gone away or is going to go away that's something that our committee should make sure that that doesn't go away. A great point. One more quick comment. Sure. Yeah, um, go ahead. I have been contemplating for many months now coming before you about the systematic disaccommodation of cyclists by the denial, the delay, and the degradation of bicycle parking. Um, one of the folks that I just met recently over here on the east side said to me a couple of days ago that their teenage son came home from the, the library um, really shook up and unhappy because while he was in the, the teen area, he looked out and there in broad daylight, someone was trying to rip rip one of these um, crummy, crummy bicycle racks loose to steal his bike in broad daylight. Um, the best, most recent example is at the Santa Fe Depot. There, there should be a bike box there. Mm -hmm. um, and instead they removed those uh, three regular racks, and when they reinstalled them, they just put them in with nuts and bolts. Give me a give me a box in wrench, and I can have uh, one of those free in about four minutes. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for that. As a person that rides bike a lot, I appreciate that. Um, uh, yeah, Michael, quickly, and then uh, we we have I think a lot of discussion about the plastic bag ordinance, if you don't mind. Thank you, and I'm looking forward to that too. Just following up on what John said about uh, how how Lawrence is not uh, very very ardently advocating for bicycle transportation. Lawrence has a reputation for bicycling, but it's recreational bicycling. It's people, you know, in parks or on trails. They put a bicycle in the back of their SUV and they go out in the country or they go to the Lawrence Loop, spend, you know, have a lot of climate emissions driving there. And this is supposed to be an environmental mode of transportation. Well, it's only recreation and they don't care about the climate. Bicycle transportation, on the other hand, is for people of all ages and abilities to get from one destination to another for work, to the library, to city hall, to stores, things of that sort. Practical utilitarian transportation. And Lawrence is way behind most peer communities as far as bicycle transportation goes. And it's a matter of funding, and it's a matter of the strategic plan puts bicycling in the recreation department. It doesn't put it in MSO. 
bicycling in the strategic plan is in the recreation department. So what does that tell you? So sustainability action networks been working on this for years, literally years and very little progress. So I appreciate everything John does for this too and SAB. So thanks, thanks for the time. Thank you. So um, let's move on to um, uh, the update on the single-use plastic bag ordinance that we had in front of City Commission on the 6th. So um, Kathy, can you provide some? Yeah, this is Kathy Richardson, the City Sustainability Director. I um, did want to give some updates and then um, Nancy, if, if you want to also kind of share uh, your uh, insights with the experience of the uh, presentation to the commission. But just really quickly, so we did, like I mentioned, uh, present uh, the single-use plastic bag ordinance on June 6th uh, to the city commission. And uh, really the action steps uh, from that meeting are to make some revisions to the ordinance based on the feedback that we received from the city commission, which did include adding um, the Sustainability Advisory Board's recommendation on the 40 percent post-consumer recycled content on the uh, paper bags and also the reusable uh, plastic bags. So the commission did confirm um, that they would like that uh, added and they had a, a few other um, uh, points of, of clarification. So uh, currently our city attorney's office is working on those edits and uh, the commission did ask for it to come back to them on June 20th. So we are still um, working towards that timeline to get it on uh, commission for next uh, Tuesday. And uh, how it would be posted on Tuesday's agenda is as a consent item for uh, adopting an ordinance on first reading. So consent agendas don't um, have the presentations, but we are absolutely going to be prepared to step up to the podium if uh, a member of the public or a member of the commission does pull that item off of consent. And we can answer any questions at that point as well, if there's additional questions or feedback. Otherwise, um, the commission would be voting on it um, for, like I said, adoption on first reading, and then it would need to go on a, another, or the next uh, city commission agenda for adoption on second reading, and then um, it would be approved and you know go through the process um, to get finalized. And again, the ordinance currently as written is effective date of uh, January 2024. So that's how it's proceeding on to uh, next uh, week's agenda for a consent um, item. And the one section I wanted to share is we've had uh, some discussions, and I know Kay and Nancy um, have uh, also provided some examples. Oh gosh, am I sharing? Yes. Yes. Oh. Okay. Let's see if I can bring it forward. Nope. All right. Well, I don't need to see it. It's okay. You all see it. We see it. Okay, awesome. So this is a new section uh, that uh, is addressing some of the concerns that were brought up in questions from the commission, uh, which are, what are some exemptions? And I wanna make sure you all 
can see this list and give me any feedback if any of these items you do not want to see listed under exemptions or if you feel like something is missing from this list. So currently, who it shall not apply to is religious and charitable institutions, schools, not-for-profit organizations, farmers markets, the sale of live animals such as fish, insects, or the like, prescriptions, newspapers, laundry, dry cleaning, or garment bags, and the produce bags and product bags was already um, something that was exempt before, you know, that you also. So is there something here that gives you, yeah, Nancy. I, I don't know why we would have to exclude the farmer's market. Um, it's easy to take a reusable bag to the farmer's market, done it many times. That one was, was go ahead. If it was um, something like a produce bag with, you know, it could fall under that, but you wouldn't need to exempt the farmer's market. And that was already brought up by the lawyer, right? Yeah, one of, one of the commissioners brought up um, that they had received several uh, comments or questions from the public about the farmer's market. So in the sense that when somebody shops, you know, and goes to the different um, farmer stands that uh, it, it's almost like a produce bag, I suppose, is how I, or what I heard or viewed it as. So they're wanting to make sure that they can put their vegetables, um, or fruit or what they're, whatever they're purchasing into, you know, its own uh, bag. Again, this is for discussion for you all, but it was brought up by one of the commissioners based on feedback from the public. So this is Mohsen Fatemi, SAP board member. I also, I'm thinking why schools is here, schools is, where we educate our next generations and our children. And isn't it where they should learn not to use plastic bags? This is Ben Sykes, SAB board member. I, I, I am also concerned that schools includes the University of Kansas, which is perhaps a, a massive uh, hole in uh, where we're making bags and things as well. So everything that comes out of the student unions and everything in the food services that's coming out of KU could potentially fall under a school's exemption. Um, apart from <laughs> the inspirational thing that Mohsen laid out, which is we want to inspire the next generation that they don't need to use these things all the time. This one was also brought up by the commission. I'm just kind of giving yep. you that, that input. Um, so it, again, and, and maybe we need to kind of make it a little bit clearer as to why it's important that they're not exempt. So is that, uh, sorry, this has been Sykes. So is that, Kathy, something you would perceive as if we did not include these exemptions? If we, as the SAB, do not recommend including all of these exemptions that have been laid out, that we need to be ready to defend that if this gets pulled off the consent agenda? 
So at this time, we're, we're working on this draft, right? Okay. And um, the city attorney's office has um, it provided this information that you have in front um, just to look at this list and make sure we got it right. So and. And just so you know, they built the list based on that feedback they were receiving from the city commission. So all the, the edits and the feedback they received from city commission is what they're trying, you know, the city attorney's office is, is addressing in this. And, um, but, but they are asking me and you all, like, are we getting this right? Is this the list? So. Thanks if we need to make some edits um, we certainly can but again based on if we didn't address one of the concerns the commissioner had then that might be a question that we'll have to you know explain further why we didn't include you know something they asked for so I'd like just to address that issue I think when we were at the meeting the issue with regarding with schools was if they were giving out something versus selling. So if they're selling things, they said that, yeah, we should go ahead. And, and the same thing with religious and charitable institutions. If they're selling things, then the, the rules should apply. But if they were just you know, giving away like cookies or some little thing, then that would be an exemption. Um, but if it was actually for a sale, that would make the difference. That, that was the way I interpreted what was discussed at the Okay. city commission meeting okay and i wonder if we could include something like that here okay do you feel that there's other categories under that same concept or looks like all the rest are well farmers market there's still a question there yeah and non-for-profits would be similar but they're not selling anything so i guess no this is Dawn Hoggins-Sab, board member. I wasn't at that meeting, and so I don't, I don't know the reason behind all of these. The only thing I, I see on this list that you can't use a paper bag with would be a bag of fish. Um, prescriptions come in paper bags these days. Um, produce bags, there's, there's recyclable material produce bags already offered at grocery stores. I agree with Mosin very much about this, about schools. Um, I don't know, could, I just, I just don't see why this is, these exemptions are, are necessary. It may, and maybe dry cleaning garment bags. I don't know if there's an alternative to that, but that and, and a bag of fish from the, the pet store are the only things um, that I can perceive that you couldn't use something besides a plastic bag. Just my two cents. Okay. Okay. So, Kay Johnson, SAB member, I will put my code enforcement hat on, which I did for about 10 years when I worked for the city of Wichita. It is really important that we try to help the city of Lawrence identify what is going to be covered because um, they're going to be put in a situation, their code enforcement people are going to be put in a situation where they have to make a determination. The D through H to me are definitely, I, I feel like those should be exemptions. Um, the 
the other thing that I tend to agree with Nancy on with respect to the religious and charitable institutions, schools, not-for-profits, and farmers markets, I like the idea of saying at the point of sale because that way that is a clear area that they're not going to get some spurious complaint because some teacher handed out some bags or something. Uh, you know, there, this is all going to be complaint driven. It won't be the code enforcement people won't be going around looking at these different things. It's going to be complaint driven. And if you have a real clear way to give some exemptions, I did hear myself the concerns about schools and uh, churches and the farmers market. So if you know farmers markets, clearly that's they're there to make sales. Um, but it probably just needs to be identified a little bit better with the farmers market and then the point of sale for um, A through C, I think would be really helpful because then if some teacher or some not-for-profit is giving away things, that's one thing, but the point of sale is what we're really trying to address. That, that's my two cents. So since this is exemptions, how do we, how would the language look? So D is a good example of the sale of something. The first three, at least, what we're talking about is exemptions when they're not for sale, right? Right. So, however that... Maybe you, just, maybe you take farmer's markets out and more carefully describe it. Is there a farmer's market definition in the code? I can't remember. There is not. Well, I think we can also remove the prescriptions because the prescriptions clearly can come in a paper bag, as most all of them do. Some of the ones I get do not. I say, Amanda, staff member, the liquid prescriptions come typically also sealed in that plastic bag. Okay. Um, and that, that's the only thing that I can think of that actually has that plastic bag. But I, I, I actually get. Um, a pill form in plastic bags. But it could come in a paper bag just as easily. I, I guess, yes. Sorry, this has been Sykes, sad board member. I guess I'm just thinking too, like, in this case, um, you know, not letting the perfect be the enemy of the good. Like, if, if we're talking about prescription bags, we're still talking about the uh, prohibition of probably 99%, right? If and I'm not saying that we sh that they shouldn't. I'm just if if that's a strong pushback from the public, um, what's the proportion? The proportion of bags that each of these exemptions represent is an important aspect here, right? Like the sale of live animals is probably a very small proportion of the plastic bags in our community. And yeah, I don't like Don said. I don't know how to get a fish home in a paper bag yet. Um, maybe there's a way. A very thick paper bag or a box, fish box. 
Um, and nobody wants a newspaper that's soggy. I will say that one. Like, if they throw your newspaper on your front lawn, that's probably the pushback people had there. Yeah. But sorry, that's, those are just my opinions. I, I, I liked what you guys have laid out about the point of sale versus giving things away for the, the other three. So what I've gathered in my notes um, to discuss with the city attorney's office is if there's a possibility that A through C can clarify that it's at, um, if it's point up of sale, that's when it's, um, they would not be able to distribute uh, plastic bags, but in all instances, uh, it's exempt. And then for D, farmer's market, uh, really kind of defining that if it's a produce bag used at the farmer's market, then that's exempt, but not like a bag to put, uh, carry out, or I don't know, put all the, uh, all the items you pick up at the farmer's market, if there's a possibility to distinguish those two. Um, and, and by the way, the commissioner did mention kind of that idea of like when you're in the farmer's markets, like you're in the grocery store. And so you're using those produce bags. And at, at the end where you check out, that's the bag that's being, um, you know, discontinued or banned of, of distribution. So, so they're trying to figure out how some of those bags that are would be considered like produce bags are still allowed within the farmer's market. So we'll, we'll see about that. And then I'm, I'm, looking at D through H as you're all saying those are okay. All right, those are my notes. And Amanda, you have some. Oh, I was just gonna say if produce bags though are an exemption already, would they not be an exemption for farmers markets? I mean. Right, right, that's the, I think the point of conversation is, you know, can we just put that like under the produce bags and address that yeah. concern that one of them. I guess I have another thought because I know s several farmers, right? And a lot of them actually take the bags that they get from the grocery store now and use those. So it's not like they're using new plastic bags, but often secondhand plastic bags. I don't know if there's a way to define that or if it matters. Okay. I think these, these prohibition getting new ones. Pardon, go ahead, Kay. I was just saying, as long as they're not getting new ones, if they're bringing themselves, it would still be plastic bags that they're giving away at the point of sale. Oh, so sorry, I misinterpreted. So, Amanda, you're saying farmers <laughs> bringing bags that they had already and at the farmers mm -hmm. using those. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of them, I mean, the ones that I know that uh, if they have to are using whatever the Dylan's bag, they might have a box of recycled bags uh, that they utilize versus having a box of brand new bags that they're pulling out like grocery stores do. Um, so I don't know if there's a way to, uh, I'm sure there's a way if it matters as much though to define um, not secondhand bags. I don't think we should do that because then it gets in a really muddy territory with respect to any place that has these um, single-use bags. Um, I think we better stick to it with the way it is with just the produce and the product bags. That's just a question. I'm not going to fight on that one. It's just, just my two cents. 
No, I, I appreciate all the feedback. I, I think I have good notes to, you know, address with the city attorney's office tomorrow and make, make sure if we can make some tweaks here. Um, also, it looks like the alphabet um, ran two Ds on this list, so we'll need to fix that for the uh, ordinance. Um, but no, I, I appreciate it. If anyone else has a thought tonight that comes tonight or tomorrow morning, just shoot me individually an email um, and let me know. Awesome. Thank you, Kat. I just want to say that I'm going to be out of town next week and could somebody else from the SAB attend in my place in case there's issues that they pull it out of the consent agenda that, that come up to represent the SAB? I would normally volunteer. I'm also going to be out of town next week uh, in Chicago. Um, so I'm not able to. I don't know if I'm going to be available. Right now, I was not planning to be. I'm also in San Antonio next week. <laughs> it's a week of travel. Sounds like Kathy's going to be on her own. Mm -hmm. Um, Stan may be back and could contribute to that conversation. Yeah. Or Mosin? <coughs> when is it going to be exactly? Next Tuesday at 5.45. Next Tuesday, 5.45. I guess I can make it. Great. Okay. I just write it down to remember that. Thank you. Sure. Great. Um, so uh, also there was a, a member of the public that did write us a comment about uh, plastic bag recycling that uh, if you didn't get a chance to read their letter that they submitted is uh, I think an important piece of this conversation on why prohibition is perhaps needed. Um, but with that, uh, let's move on to, um, let's see, the last piece here for old businesses, ordinance 9744, an important priority which had a ban. Oh, I'm sorry. I apologize. Uh, yes, Michael Allman, please. Hello, once again. Hey, great discussion. Um, as I recall, at the city commission, a lot of the, you know, the determination of, of what falls into what category, exempt or not exempt, had to do with a, a monetary transaction, a formal transaction, not some teacher giving away cookies. So somehow I think the wording of the ordinance needs to be clear that this, is, this only applies and calling it point of sale kind of gets there, but not quite. Um, in the definition of produce bag and product bag, and this is the, the issue that Commissioner Finkeldye brought up uh, about farmers markets, that the definition of the bags we're talking about are not what is used in the store brought to the, as it says, point of sale, which is a checkout. It's, it's not those bags, it's the bags that are used to take it from the point of sale out to your car or your bicycle or wherever. Whereas with the farmer's market, 
that stand where you use that bag for lettuce or whatever it is, is also the point of sale. That was the conundrum. Do you follow me? So if it can be written in a way, I mean, I, I would like it just to say produce bags and product bags are exempt and eliminate the farmer's market because it's redundant, except for that wording in that definition um, referring to point of sale. And I, you know, I can't think of how to reword it off the top of my head. So I, I hope I'm clear of what I'm talking about there. Um, the other big concern I had, like Ben pointed out, you know, what proportion of plastic bags do any of those I, those exemptions represent? And when I see dry cleaning bags, those bags not only are for every product that comes out of a dry cleaning establishment, every product is in its own bag, and they're big, they're really big. I don't think that should be exempt. Um, oh, and the final thing that Ben brought up about KU as falling under schools, strike them, put, put in their schools are exempt, except for KU or something. But that's a very important issue. I think you're right on there, Ben. Thank you so much. Great work over the years. Thank you. Awesome. Do we have any other members of the public that wanted to speak on this? Awesome. So hearing none, we'll move on just quickly to uh, 9744, the Renewable Energy Goals uh, implementation. Um, Kathy, do we have any updates on this or did anyone from SAB have any updates on that implementation? I don't have any updates. It looks like Kay. Yes, Kay, please. I have a question, and I know that this has been, there's two things on this. One, there was supposed to be a report made regarding the um, activities and achievements each year. And I know Kathy was at least working on that at one point. Um, but also, where I, I heard the mayor at our meeting say there's no plan yet for achieving this. So what is the plan? Who's working on it? Who's it is assigned to, you know, a lot of the problems that I see with the various organizations is that there is no plan. This has not been considered citywide in the departments. We've had several issues, and I'm going to talk about one later, but what's the plan? That's my question. Sure, this is, oh, Amanda, go ahead. Well, I was just going to add to what Kay said. Um, I think that it would be very beneficial, not just for the SAP board, but for the community to see what the city is doing, whether that's the list of the efforts that are being made um, or the ongoing projects. That way we can see the progress um, as it's happening or even beforehand. I mean, I know that USD 497 has an RFP out right now for solar. Um, I would I would love to see that information brought to all of us as well. Um, so that way, and I mean, the, the energy efficiencies and all the other things that they're doing, I know that we have people applying for grants for these projects and I, I, I would be very interested in knowing what we're 
reaching for as well. That's a good point. Thanks, Amanda. Um, is that more work for you? That's you, Kathy, right? <laughs> like, yeah, if yeah. we ask the city commission for to do that, then they're going to say, okay, Kathy, can you do that, right? Yeah. So this is Kathy Richardson, the city sustainability director. Like Kay mentioned, um, the ordinance does refer to a, an annual report. Uh, so that is something that hadn't been done in the past. And I am um, trying to get that information in in a report format. Uh, in terms of what we're doing right now, as you know, there are a lot of pieces that are moving forward that are um, based on this ordinance 9744. All our work towards the sustainable capital projects policy was to address uh, ordinance 9744 and that was a lot of work we've been working on that for about a year to get that through and that administrative policy that was just approved uh, last month with our city commission and will be implemented at the beginning of 2024 uh, I know the sustainability advisory board received a uh, presentation earlier this year with the consultant that we're working on or two uh, with the transition plan for our fleet vehicles now these two items that are, um, you know, have definitely um, taken up a lot of energy from our uh, staff to work on are only addressing, you know, our fleet and our facilities. So this is not um, addressing that community-wide uh, goal that is also included within our 100% renewable energy. Um, I did include in that because I also heard the mayor talk about the need for a plan and implementation. So I concluded that in the minutes. Um, I know I've talked to this board about some of the funding that we have allocated for the EECBG um, grant, uh, which we did submit our pre-award uh, you know, information. It's about $147,000 that's allocated to the city of Lawrence. And we've been having some conversations of how we can turn those funds into a full comprehensive plan of how this community can um, be able to implement and the pathway to 100% renewable energy, not just within our city operations and our city fleet, but just community-wide. So a lot of communities um, have these plans that the mayor was kind of mentioning. They're like energy plans. Um, they're usually not done in-house, but you know, a consultant will step in to do a lot of that work. Um, I've kind of been in conversation with um, a couple uh, that have had some of these plans completed and these are like, you know, potentially a hundred thousand um, uh, dollar, you know, work plans uh, or project plans. So we're looking into that as an opportunity to maybe get some outside help in what that pathway would be, and um, you know, more information as it comes about. I do know that the EECBG funds uh, could be used in a lot of different ways, and there's a lot of need for energy efficiency within our facilities. So that's a lot of good money also to put towards um, some of our facilities, like some of the communities in Kansas City region are, are doing. Uh, but uh, we feel like we'll, we might get more bang for buck uh, by um, having a kind of a more uh, in-depth uh, plan uh, to be able to carry this community through uh, to our goals. That's a little bit of update. I know it's it feels a little bit like patchwork right now, but 
like a lot of the moving pieces that are occurring right now are significant in in the sense of you know having some policies in place uh, to start uh, factoring in that sustainability, energy efficiency, et cetera, uh, into our our projects right now. And Amanda, I know you mentioned that um, USD 497 um, has some work as well. I I do think that. Uh, getting our you know stakeholders and partners in this community together uh, not only the usd 497 but ku and others um, to have a conversation about you know how we can uh, move towards this goal the city of lawrence cannot mandate uh, that uh, the other organizations um, follow this ordinance but certainly i think that we can uh, come together to have good conversations and collaborate and see how it can be done Uh, Don. Don, yeah. Don Hawkins, uh, SAP board member. Kathy, did you say in a recent presentation that there is a consultant hired to um, help um, help us get there and implement this ordinance, or did I misunderstand what you were saying? Yeah, there's a consultant hired for the fleet transition plan for the city of Lawrence. Uh, just, okay. So. The ordinance hits on uh, kind of three sections, uh, electricity, uh, gas, and then transportation. So on the transportation side for our own city vehicles, um, we did um, have Metropolitan Energy Center submit a proposal that was selected. And they did a presentation earlier this year to this um, advisory board as to, it was kind of their discovery um, phase uh, where they're starting that project. Um, I know it's the, the plan is nowhere near completion yet, uh, but I can certainly get an update as to where we're at with that. And um, it was my understanding that in 2024, we would have the project wrapped up. And this is, you know, not only what type of vehicles, you know, the city would need to replace, but um, it includes like a risk analysis, you know, what the cost is. And it's not just about getting, you know, all our city fleet vehicles into EV vehicles, right? Uh, we still need the infrastructure. We don't have the infrastructure currently in our sites to be able to uh, charge um, all those EV vehicles. And then, of course, there's also issues with um, supply uh, currently. I did hear um, earlier this month that the city had um, seven vehicles for uh, in the hybrid category um, that are not going to be able to be obtained for um, quite a few years. They're not on inventory. So we're looking at the EV uh, component, uh, but we're being told that it will be about um, 36 uh, months to get the EV uh, fleet vehicles. So, so that the plan is going to cover just timeline of transition, the types of vehicles, the infrastructure needed, what the risk um, is, and you know, especially uh, talking about those critical functions and emergency services that the city has. And then another, so it seems like we're we're not going to hit that 2025 goal that's in the ordinance um, for electricity for municipal operations 
it says the ordinance says strive for so i don't know what the implications are uh, that's just a comment not a question but um and then my next question is would it be possible for us to get um an entry related to implementing this ordinance up on the community engagement site um i think this is something that you know we really need to engage the community and, and gather as many ideas as possible for us to achieve this I, you know, it's certainly uh, a topic that's been brought up to our community engagement um, group in the past. We don't have anything that's flushed out as to how we're going to engage the public at this point. Um, so we don't have a plan for the public to react to or provide feedback to or anything like that. Um, so at this time, you know, we're we don't feel quite ready uh, to engage the public without, you know, providing here's the pathway or here's, you know, and tell us how how we can do that, you know, community wide. But I certainly see that as one of the next steps, Don. So it, it definitely is something um, for the near future. We just haven't been ready for it yet. Anyone else on this agenda item? Yes, Michael. Hi, Michael Allman, Sustainability Action Network. Um, yeah, they, just to uh, reiterate, I think what Dawn said, that these, these uh, four categories with the target dates, I mean, it's really, target dates it's really goals that doesn't necessarily mean we'll get there yet but it's the target we're aiming for i think we have to be realistic some of these are going to be able to be done quicker than others um, but to uh, follow up on kay's question kay um i don't know if in the land development code committee that they distributed the proposals, eight page proposal from Sustainability Action Network about a lot of different ways that the city will be transitioning. Uh, I, I'll send it to you and share it with you. Maybe we could talk. But I definitely some, didn't get it. <laughs> yeah, I wondered if they sent it out to all the committee members. I really wondered about that. Um, but there are several things in our proposal, and Nancy knows about this because it, it came from our organization. Bikeways required in all new subdivisions. Right now, sidewalks are required. Developer has to put in sidewalks. They're not required to put in bikeways. So it's like a stepchild that gets, you know, well, down the road some years later, maybe they'll retrofit one. Um, but some more direct things that could happen um, fairly quickly would be we, one of our items is requiring solar electric, electric panels on all new construction, all new construction. Another one is requiring solar panels on all new parking lots. Another one is abolish minimum parking requirements. Right now, developer has to conform to a certain number of parking spaces per square foot of a building, I believe it is, uh, or per number of um, uh, living units in a building. That ends up being 
an enormous amount of real estate covered with asphalt, which is a heat island effect as well as stopping infiltration of water. And it makes driving a car very convenient. Communities all over the country realize now that if they're going to get communities more walkable, more bikeable, they're starting to eliminate uh, minimum parking requirements. Uh, anyway, our, our document has a whole lot of these land use issues that will move certain parts, move the needle in, in some areas um, towards either energy conservation or renewable energy or both. Um, so we, we need to be looking at a lot of different ways that, um, you know, beyond just the four items in 9744. And the Land Development Code is one way to do that. So thank you. Thank you, Michael. Anyone else in the public? Excellent. So uh, for our last, I think, item that we'll have tonight to discuss, Kay's gonna talk to us about uh, affordable housing and energy efficiency and water conservation. So Kay Johnson, SAB board member. Um, and I would like to point out that Leah Rosalind uh, with the city's affordable housing um, group and I'm not sure exactly if she's a director, is available and on our meeting. Um, I'm going to summarize my perspective and then she can talk about it later, I suppose. But um, to me, this kind of issue is similar to our transit issue that we had uh, several months ago. I found out about, not that not that Leah was directed to give uh, the SAB member any of the discussion about the housing and homelessness uh, plan, but this particular plan, and you got a link for it if you had a chance to look at it, um, is a five-year plan. And it the, the purpose is to end functional um, homelessness in our community, which I totally understand that. Um, this is the issue, obviously, is getting people in as soon as possible into uh, homes, and in my, um, perspective, I believe they should be energy efficient and they should be quality of life issues as well. Um, this particular plan uh, was drafted with Douglas County and the city of Lawrence, and it was set out in April sometime. And there were a couple of uh, presentations and listening sessions in May. And then um, now, I have to say at my request, I asked them to put on a, um, at the community engagement session, a place to provide feedback. Um, and they did. And that is evidently now closed. But I will, um, I, what I did, there was not any energy efficiency or sustainability items listed in this uh, five-year plan. And to me, that's a lost opportunity. Um, and what I did ask and recommended is that, uh, and I'm just going to read it to you, um, recommend sustainable high-performing energy efficiency and water conservation des uh, design standards in new housing construction projects 
for affordable and a supportive housing to reduce utility cost burden, to ensure resilience and sustainability, to ensure occupant health and comfort, including noise reduction and to reduce impacts of climate change. And um, Leah did provide me with feedback and basically said that this was not the place for um, this discussion and did not include that in the um, the draft, the working draft. The the one of the reasons that I felt like it should be in there is because there was um, another uh, recommendation requiring universal design and new housing construction. So. To me, if they put that in that plan, then they also should put sustainability issues in that plan. And um, while the, the comments now are closed for this particular plan for the draft, the plan will eventually come back to Douglas County as well as to the city commissioners. And I really feel like that we should be making a statement as far as sustainability advisory board that this plan should include uh, a policy, whether it's detailed is not important to me, but something that says that the um, affordable housing will be shooting for a goal of sustainable de sustainable development. And I would like to, um, that is, uh, my discussion, and so I would like to hear from other people on the SAB board, and then obviously Leah is going to want to say something, but um, I'd like to hear what others have to say on our board. Nancy. Uh, Nancy Mula, SAB board member. Um, I agree with you, Kay. I think it's important to have sustainability, especially efficiency goals, um, in order to keep the cost down for uh, those using affordable housing. I think energy uh, efficiency and water conservation would be really important to include, um, as well as other sustainability uh, goals. This is Ben Sykes, SAB board member. Um, I, I also commented on that while the comment period was still open. I think that one aspect is that it, it seems to present a Sophie's Choice where if you have to spend one more dime on um, energy efficiency, that's going to mean one less dime that you can spend on building another house for somebody that needs it. Um, I think that the problem there is that that only considers the building of the houses and getting them housed and not them having to live in the house. And over time, those energy efficiency things can make huge differences in the health of the people that are living there, um, as well as uh, you know their ability to stay in that housing after they're in it for a long time, right? Is that their ability to afford electricity or water when they get energy efficient places. And so uh, I think that that um, perspective that's the the first one that I came to right and I think is easy to come to is one less dollar for another house that someone could live in is um, uh, upon reflection it is not quite that simple Amanda yes hi Amanda that board member um, I was just gonna add that thanks to the IRA now that there are additional tax credits available to those projects that are specifically geared towards low-income housing, and even further tax credits for those that um, 
are directly affecting those that are living in that housing. So you have your 30% tax credit, you have like an additional 10% if it's going towards the development of a low income and potentially up to another 10% if the cost savings is for the tenant. So um, there's, a, there's a little bit of a, an effort made when it comes to the renewable energy side, um, making that affordable for those um, I mean, it still costs up front, but I would also support case statement. Any other board members that had comments? I just add one more thing quickly, Ben Sykes, that board member. Uh, in the intersection, since we just talked about 9744, the less we the more intentionally we build things that already conform to our goals for 9744, the less we're going to have to retrofit things that we're building now or in the next five years to try and work against ourselves to get to the goals that we've set. So, I mean, this is just one small example. It's a critical one, absolutely, for um, those that aren't housed or that are trying to get into transitional housing. Um, I just think that it's also, as Kay has said, it's, it's an opportunity kind of show our values on multiple fronts. But that's all our opinions. Um, we have members of the public as well. I, Lee, I, you've had, I feel like you, you uh, deserve the opportunity at least to talk about these things. Um, sh should we hear from the public first or did you want to talk with us about the aspects of it that you see? Oh, you look unmuted but we can't hear you, or I can't hear you here, sorry. Sorry about that. I'm Leah Long Affordable Housing Administrator with the City of Lawrence. Um, thank you, Vice Chair. And I'm happy to uh, address comments now, make statements now, or wait until after public comment at your preference. I think it looks like we just have one public commenter, so maybe we'll hear from um, Destin real quick and then um, come to you. Go ahead, Destin. <laughs> Hi, my name is Destin Stumlingberry. Can you hear me all right? Yes. Okay. So I understand Kay's position, I hear it. I'm gonna say something right off the bat. Being dismissive of Leah while you're making comments is very rude. And underneath being a board member, advisory board member, especially to someone like Leah who does so much work in this community for good. More importantly, Michael Allman spoke to it earlier. Why aren't you going in front of the building code revision group and coming up with these ideas. You just spoke to it, Mr. Sykes, about long-term. Let's put these long-term uh, plans in place for our community, and that place is the absolute site to do it. This, as someone who's been a lifelong renter, who lives, has lived in some very substandard housing here in Lawrence, where it made heating and cooling outright ridiculously expensive, this feels like another attack on renters from the sustainability board. I get your intentions, but there's a place to do this. And that would be at the building code. Make it all buildings, not just these ones. And again, I agree with you uh, as someone who's paid exorbitant heating costs and cooling costs just to stay cool, just to stay comfortable in, in some very uncomfortable temperatures here in Kansas. And I, I get it, I'm with you, but we should want long-term costs that don't really damage this particular effort because if you had made this part of your building code, you had participated with the building code revisions, then 
this plan would already take into account those changes. You wouldn't have to say, please consider these things because it would already be a part of our overall code set. And so it feels like you guys are kind of saying, yeah, we could do that work, but that's work. Let's go after these individuals who are low income and try to put a limit on what we can do for them and what they can do for themselves rather than work and have an answer for the whole community. Because as you said, Mr. Sykes, it's a Sophie's choice. It's not as simple as we want it to be. And it feels like a couple of the members who spoke already are making it seem like it's a black and white issue. So I, I just hope that there's a more robust discussion about this and steps that you all can take for long-term solutions rather than just this one plan. Thank you. Thank you, Dustin. Um, let's hear from Michael and then uh, Lee, you can talk. I know we're getting- Hi, once again, time. Michael Allman, Sustainability Action Network. Um, I appreciate Mr. Stumbling Bear's comments about the building code. Um, that's not really exactly what I said. I was talking about the land development code. Um, in either case, the building code or the land development code, yes, we should have more energy conservation provisions. But my point is not there's only one way to do any of this. There are multiple ways to do it. And in this case, when we're talking about affordable housing, uh, and I must, full disclosure, I've been in discussion with a couple members of the Affordable Housing Advisory Board about this very issue. And they agree, particularly as tenants to homeowners. Um, what Ben Sykes said earlier, that having a building envelope and um, mechanical systems like heat pumps, for instance, in affordable housing, it ups the capital cost, the upfront cost. That's true. But down the, down the road, the people who are living in that house are more able to afford living there because the utilities are you know, a, a dime on the dollar compared to an uh, energy wasting home. Um, tenants to homeowners actually gets a percent concession on the mortgages for their homes that they intentionally build very, very well um, energy conserving. And, and in many cases with solar energy on the roof, they get that from Trudy, credit union. It's not officially an energy efficient mortgage, but Tr Truity Credit Union is making that concession on the on the percent point because the, uh, the people can afford to pay the mortgage. Their utilities are lower, they can pay more on their mortgage. Uh, there's all kinds of ways where this factors in to making it more affordable. Um, Thanks, Michael. I think that's, we've got the hard that's cap. That's all at, I really need to say. Thank you. Yeah, thanks very much. We've got a hard cap coming up, so Lee, I want to make sure to give you the rest of the time. Sorry that we're so running so late. Yeah, we have a little bit. Next, Kathy says we have a little bit of extra time. Thank. You. Okay. Cool. Um, well, this is Leah Rose, affordable housing administrator. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak. Um, 
first I want to just, well, first I want to express my gratitude to those of you who um, did review the plan and gave input. Um, the steering committee of the Housing and Homelessness Community Plan discussed it at length. And I want to assure all of you that, of course, we care about and are committed to, sustain, to sustainability. Um, however, we ultimately decided not to include the recommendations in this plan because this is a plan targeted to no income, very, very low income and low income households for, uh, with the goal of ending chronic homelessness. The plan does not include any market rate housing development. It is all capital A, in other words, subsidized affordable housing for very low income. Um, it's not equitable to apply a requirement that would increase costs only to affordable housing development in our community. It would actually disincentivize affordable housing development by creating additional barriers and, and cost to projects that already experience disproportionate um, obstacles to market rate development. One of the priorities of this plan is to decrease barriers for affordable housing development. I'm sure you all have been following what's happening in Lawrence regarding um, housing affordability. We're in a housing crisis. We need more units on the ground. We, we don't have enough affordable housing to house people. And that is one key reason why we're seeing an increase in homelessness. Um, However, um, we absolutely support sustainable, sustainable building requirements and um, just don't think that this plan is the appropriate place for it to go. Um, however, I, based on the comments that were made, I've taken it upon myself to start advocating for um, the inclusion of those recommendations in more appropriate plans where those recommendations could be applied equitably to all new residential and commercial development. Um, those plans have already been mentioned, the Sustainability Action Plan and um, the Building Code. I want to just assure all of you that we are all working together towards the city's strategic goals, and I really hope that we can continue to create a dialogue that recognizes that we have shared commitments to both sustainability and affordable housing, that it's not an either or, and that a false polarization of these issues doesn't help advance either goals, um, but by working together, um, we can we can make more change for both the environment and for housing people. Um, just a couple other points that I wanted to uh, make or clarify is that um, absolutely utility rates absolutely factor into housing affordability. That is a factor that's already considered when calculating whether housing is affordable. Um, a, household is, a household is spending more than 30% of their income on housing, including utilities, including insurance, et cetera, then it's not considered affordable. Um, we are targeting programs for utility assistance. And again, um, support sustainable building design, just not um, inequitably, inequitably applying not only to affordable housing. 
Um, one other point that I wanted to make just to clarify is that the Affordable Housing Advisory Board is not the group that is putting together the plan. It's um, a coalition of city, county, nonprofit, and community stakeholders. The AHAB will absolutely um, work with the plan and will adopt. Um, portions of the plan, um, but that's not the group that is um, that's developing the plan. But I did want to point out that um, the Affordable Housing Advisory Board um, that oversees and makes recommendations for Affordable Housing Trust Fund already includes sustainability as a scored criteria when granting Affordable Housing Trust Fund awards. So projects receive extra points for um, any number of sustainability components that are provided. And so in that way, we are focusing on incentivizing sustainable building practices rather than disincentivizing building affordable housing. And I'm, I'm happy to take any questions and really appreciate the opportunity to speak with you all and thank you for your service to our community. Kathy, do we have time for, does anybody have any thoughts from the board? Right. Well, uh, we really appreciate your feedback there, and, and thanks to everybody for um, bearing with me for not being Stan uh, this time. But uh, I think that was a good conversation about a lot of different kinds of topics. And um, uh, with that. You, um, you do want to open it up for public comment? Oh, yes. Sorry. We have a general public comment period real quick. If anyone has any other thoughts from the public that are not have not been counted for. Okay, great. Hearing none. Oh, Ben, I do have one. Sorry. Sure, go ahead, Kay. Real quick. Yeah. Um, the Douglas County is taking comments on the um, the the solar utility scale solar project uh, next week on Wednesday. So I think if uh, people are interested in coming commenting on that, they should be available either online or in person. Okay. Thanks, Kay. I wasn't aware of that. Utility scale solar for the city? That's for the county. It's for the county. Yeah. Okay. Well, it will, you know, it should benefit us, but. Right. I saw that Michael had an emoji, like a heart. I don't know if he was trying to raise his hand. No, I think he was just commenting on that. Michael did. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody. Have a great evening. Thanks for showing up. Thanks. Bye. Just making sure.